Let's get ready to rumble. Anyway, I don't know. It's been kind of a few weeks, Mary. I don't know. Just kind of wanted to chat with you today about some things. Okay, bring it. (laughs) I'm all ears. Okay, good. About four hours of sleep, but I'm ready to go. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like there's a lot of stuff like in the news lately that's just been really, it's been a lot of deep topics, Mm -hmm. a lot of hard conversations. There's a lot going on within the church, outside the church. Yeah. Yeah. But honestly, it's a lot of just exposure of just broken systems and power and prestige and whiteness and all the things that are just really playing a huge role in abuse and silencing. And I think it's time for it to all come out, but it's hard to swallow for survivors. And so because this podcast is a safe place for survivors, I think it's important just to kind of process through some of that and talk about it and, you know... Just let people know they're not alone. I think for me, the idea of healing from trauma, specifically sexual trauma as a kid, um, talking it out and just telling your truth has been the most important piece of Mm -hmm. healing. And it's an ongoing thing of just continually finding those safe places to be able to talk um, and to not sugarcoat, you know, telling telling your truth is about not sugarcoating your story for other people to be able to digest it mm-hmm. right um it's about encountering a safe space for our words to flow out of us for truth to flow and just get real and raw i know you know that's been a key characteristic of our friendship and yeah. where i found a lot of healing is being able to just talk it out with you or with you know our counselors or people in our lives but um you know talking it out connects us as a survivor to another person who can hear our story, which I think is what is part of restoring our dignity, reminding us that our story matters. It also gives us control back, um, you know, because we have a choice finally. When you, when we were abused as kids, we didn't have a choice as to what was happening to right. us. Yep. But then as an adult, if you're able to talk about and tell your story in a really meaningful, truthful way, in a safe place, um, we get to choose when we speak, when we're silent, what questions we'll answer, which ones we won't. We get to choose our words. Finally, it's about our choice. And that through that, I think, again, it restores our dignity and helps us know that our story matters. And part of that process, I think, of talking it out, and it's going to lead us into a topic today that I think is a hard topic to talk about, but um, is realizing that healing is not a sprint to a finish line. Mm-hmm. And I think especially in the church and even just well-meaning Christians in general have always wanted to sprint to this finish line of forgiveness. And once they hear that that's happened, then they can pack the story away and it looks pretty. It's got a bow on it and we put it away and we feel like that person's okay. Mm-hmm. And that's not the truth. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I think it's important to acknowledge all of the pain that has gone on up until that point, mm-hmm. if they have ever even reached forgiveness yet. Many of us haven't. Yeah. And that's that's okay. That's Everyone's journey is different. And, you know, I think just stories that we've heard recently, there's so much support when someone can offer forgiveness to someone else. But then there's 
crickets when that person wants to pursue justice. Yeah. And even biblically, we're talking about, you know, mercy and justice. They go hand in hand, but people don't want to talk about the justice. End no. Because it's hard. It's ugly. It's deep. It's painful. You have to look at wrongdoing. You have to then look at it in yourself. And, um, you know, forgiveness is an absolutely beautiful offering that we can extend to someone else. But when it comes to things like sexual abuse or racism, um, I think systemic injustice, it still has to be looked at. It has to be investigated. It has to be confronted. It has to be removed. And this is why I say mercy and justice go hand in hand. For me, it took six years between the point of my disclosure, my stepfather, my abuser's suicide, mm-hmm. and then... Um, the first time that I was able to personally forgive, which that span of six years was a long time of not understanding what forgiveness looked like. For one, I think that delayed my process, but also it was um, a journey that was still necessary, whether I understood forgiveness or not. I had to get angry at what was done, right? I mm-hmm. had to be able to um, talk about that. I had to grieve the losses and and be able to call out all of the um, the ripple effect of the pain that was caused through my abuser's actions and, and to actually, you know, name that. Well, and I think it's almost kind of like the first time you're looking at a wound. You know, say you trip and fall and you skin up your knee. You have to look at it and kind of go, okay, what's going on here? Um, is it just a little skin on the surface and this is something, you know, I need to tend to on my own? Or mm-hmm. we need stitches. I need to get some other people involved to help yeah. tend to this wound. There's so many different layers of trauma that I think you're just assessing when you're first looking at that big issue in your life. Absolutely. And, you know, they... They say that forgiveness is something that is not a one-time thing. You've got to come back to it many, many times. And in that in that case, it's still acknowledging there's still pain there. Even if you've gotten to a point of forgiveness, um, you're going to still need to revisit that wound. Because, again, healing from sexual abuse is a lifelong thing. It's a yeah. lifelong journey. It's a trauma that rears its ugly head in times you don't expect. And we still have to come back to it. So when I talk about the six years that happened before the first time I personally forgave, we're talking about a long process of healing Mm -hmm. and to get to that first time of forgiveness. And I can remember even years after that, when I began to publicly share my story, um, there were, (laughs) I am telling you, handfuls of like TV shows, radio Mm -hmm. shows I was on. And I can remember every time feeling like the host was rushing me, like, like I said, it was this dead sprint to get to the point when I was able to forgive my abuser and then it stopped. It was just like a dead stop and a celebration and neither of which the sprint or the finish line, neither of which characterized the healing journey for me. Yeah. And I don't know any other survivor who could say that it would characterize their healing journey either. We don't have sprints. We may have some straightaways that feel like a good little season, Yeah, but then we've got dark times we have to stop and we've got the windy road the dark places it it's hard sometimes we're crawling it's baby steps um and then the finish line i don't think is ever really there forgiveness is a huge huge place along the healing journey for me it was this spiritual transaction with god that was only between him and myself that i felt a great deal of joy and peace Mm -hmm. and calmness and just an understanding of I think the world in general and life and myself, it was a big moment 
in yeah. my healing, but it wasn't the finish line. And I think that when we, especially those who might be coming from a faith perspective, um, put that kind of a response on someone who's gone through some major trauma in their life, um, I think it's hurtful. I think it's irritating. And I think it's shallow to really offer someone else who's gone through some major trauma, especially like sexual abuse, um, to offer that kind of response. And so I, you know, I wanted to unpack today a few mm -hmm. of the lies that we often believe about forgiveness and then the truths that I found. But I also wanted to just kindly offer up this advice that the church and those who are followers of Jesus cannot settle on this finish line of forgiveness because it's not real. And we can't just hear the stories of our brothers and sisters who've been through abuse or pain and then rush their for forgiveness um, so that we can breathe easier, right? Oh, yes. We have to be willing to sit with people mm -hmm. knowing that their story is not over yet. Yeah. And to not push them to this place that makes us feel better about their stories. Because ignoring all the hard parts, the hard to hear parts, the pain, that is all part of what makes forgiveness necessary to start with. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you have nothing to forgive. Um, we have to walk through those hard, ugly parts. Otherwise, we're doing, I think, a disservice to the idea of what justice looks like. So I don't know, a few lies that I believed about forgiveness. Gosh, there were so many. I remember C.S. Lewis said that um, everyone loves the idea of forgiveness until they have someone to forgive. Right? Uh, and that's, that's really true. Yeah, it um, is. Because I can tell or I can have other people tell me all kinds of things about what they think my story should look like or how it looks pretty for them. But mm -hmm. then like, OK, let's talk about your story and who do you have to forgive? Or right. It's just so different. But. Um, it's such a hard thing to hear because for those who have gone through something like sexual abuse, which are the majority of our listeners, it's hard to think about the lies like it's letting someone off the hook. You know, mm -hmm. that's what I believe for years was that it was basically me saying that what he did was okay. And um, it was more about him than it was about me when I was thinking about those lies, I believe it took me a long time to understand that it, it had nothing to do really with him and the person who hurt me. It had to do with me and, and my posture, um, my freedom for so many years, I pictured myself connected to my stepdad with a cord. And you've heard me talk about this or I've written about it in hush, but, um, it was just like, even though my stepfather had taken his life when I was 14, after I told, I still felt like for years and years, because of the unforgiveness, because of the bitterness that I held onto, it was like he I was dragging him around with me everywhere I went. Yeah. So it, he was still affecting me because of what he had done, even though he was no longer alive. And so I eventually realized like forgiveness was the scissors that cut that cord from mm -hmm. him, where again, it wasn't about freeing him, it was about freeing me. Yeah. And me being able to walk fully forward in in my humanity and in my independence and in my, you know, my autonomy to be myself again and to not allow that person to constantly affect everything in my life. Well, and it's like those tentacles that latch on and and the poison bleeds into every area of the lens that how we see through how we see life yeah. um, and finally cutting yourself from that completely to allow you to have a new set of lens mm -hmm. to say okay we're done healthy and we're moving on at least towards that that path absolutely yeah and i think that was really life-changing for me to be able to look at it in a different way mm -hmm. you know it wasn't just about him and what he had done it was about 
me like finally the light was shining on me yeah and like what can i do with my life and um and i think part of the process of of getting there was being angry and Mm. again in the church it's like anger is this negative thing yeah but why (laughs) i remember jesus was flipping some tables and that's exactly what somebody finally had to say to me for me to give myself permission to be angry Mm. because growing up anger was bad yes and i immediately that's how my little brain processed Mm. and defined what anger looked like so as an adult i was terrified of it because i knew i could go there but it wasn't going to be pretty but then once somebody said jesus was flipping tables i'm like oh yeah and what happened to you was not okay and i'm mad and i'm gonna cuss (laughs) and then yeah (laughs) and then it was like i had permission to to look at it a little bit not that the anger wasn't there but i had to allow myself to unleash it because someone else had to give me permission to Mm. say it's okay to do it right and we should be mad at this because this should never have happened to you right yeah i think getting real about our pain means getting mad about the sin that happened Mm -hmm. about the choice that someone else made to take advantage of your little body and mine and place the blame where it belonged and only after that can we begin to understand what our freedom looks like. You can't forgive something you have not said is wrong. Yeah. You can't forgive true. something that you felt like, oh, you know, they didn't know what they were doing. Or No, we need to say it doesn't matter if he was drinking. It doesn't matter if he wasn't sure about this or that. Or, or had a bad she, childhood. Absolutely. I've used that excuse yep. before. Yep. Because yeah. we're we're taught to excuse and we're taught to try to rationalize in our head, make it okay, make it okay, so it's not as ugly as I think it is. Mm. But you even calling it out, I, I think, releases you from that that label of being all the stuff that we think we're automatically um, pinned as just because we're a survivor of sexual abuse. Well, and being a survivor oftentimes lends us to be the one that wants to protect everyone else, even the one who hurt us to start with. I know. Right. Yeah. So you have to call it out for what it was. No matter the reasoning, it still happened and it was wrong. And it's now going to affect us the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. I think the anger thing is interesting, too. As an Enneagram 9, a peacemaker, I cannot get in touch with my anger. So, Girl, I'll give you some of mine. (laughs) Woo! It's coming in hot. No, I'm scared. (laughs) I'm scared of that. You should be. I need to get in touch with that anger. And I think, honestly, healing from my abuse has been one of the healthiest ways I've been able to get in touch Mm -hmm. with it because again, having that permission to say, I can be mad here. Exactly. Exactly. But then again, that was the conduit. That was the, the, the vessel that I was able to find my way to the forgiveness because I'm saying this is wrong. This should never have happened. This is how it's affecting me. It will affect me. This is how the ripple effects have carried out into many other people and places. But I am choosing to cut the cord from this and move on um, for my freedom. Yeah. The biggest thing I envision, it's so weird as we talk about our childhood and um, just a weird illustration is, you know, when you're playing video games, we had Nintendo and Atari and Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And it's like you have to beat one level to get the key to unlock the next one. Yeah. And I feel like it's kind of that way. You have to, okay, yeah. let's look at this, tap into that, feel this, walk that out. Okay, boop, you got the key to go to the next level of the healing journey. Yeah. And then you unlock that next level of the game. And it's just like you keep going up these different layers and levels to keep gaining more and more healing. Yeah, that's exactly right. I even remember feeling like that when I wrote Hush. It was there were certain steps 
that were very important to the healing journey that I'd found in my life and in so many survivors I was meeting at colleges and places. Um, but there was one came before the next. And I remember my editor coming to me and saying, well, I actually think like the breaking the silence part should, should come second and realizing it's not your fault and the shame and stuff needs to come first. Cause then you overcome that. I'm like, I get why you think that would be pretty for a book and like, it makes sense, but that is not how it makes sense for yeah, me. Like exactly. I have to break my science and tell, and then through telling and talking it out, what we talked about at the very beginning of this podcast, yeah. that's how you begin to get the truths back to you to understand, right. okay, it's not my shame and guilt, it's theirs. Right. I can be angry because this was wrong. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't my fault because I was just a little girl and I did not deserve this. No one asks for rape. So all of those things then play a role, like you said, now that I've understood that and I mm -hmm. can place the blame where it belongs, now I can choose if I want to, to go through that process of forgiveness mm -hmm. of that person um, for my freedom. Yeah. And that's what's great, too, is that <laughs> for once you're in control and mm -hmm. you're no longer in that position of being trapped. You get to call all the shots like mm -hmm. you referenced to earlier and you have the key and it's up to you when and if you unlock that next level of healing. And, you know, for some of us, you choose to stay where you are for a while and that's OK. Yeah. And you choose to very quickly go to the next level and that's OK, too. Uh -huh. It all depends on what you want to do. And that's the beauty in being a survivor um, as an adult that now you get to call the shots to yeah. make the decisions that's good yeah it's our it's my healing journey it's mm -hmm. your healing journey none yeah. of our journeys look alike they're yeah. all different but we all can understand each other at different mm -hmm. places which i think is what's really great about this community i think um another one is that forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting you know that's such a annoying phrase people use you uh, know, forgive yeah. and forget it, forgiveness doesn't mean we forget it doesn't mean we condone it doesn't mean we approve of what was done doesn't mean we ignore or excuse, you know, injustice. It just simply means to me that we're released from it. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness means we're released from it. It's a way for me to realign my heart and my purpose in life with what my creator's, you know, identity for me is and mm -hmm. what his purposes are for me. Well, and I love that it's a second chance because what we were supposed to have the first time around mm -hmm. was robbed um, from us. So mm -hmm. It's allowing us to look at that inner child and that inner healing and and giving us that chance that really we deserve the first time, um, but we're we're still getting a shot at that. And I'm so grateful that, um, you know, if you choose to look at your your abuse and starting that healing journey, it's it's right there and it's waiting for you. Right. And releasing personal resentment doesn't excuse what happened. It doesn't downplay it. Mm -hmm. um, it actually acknowledges it full force of what was horrible, what was wrong, what was evil. And it's to me stating, you know, from a spiritual perspective that there's someone higher than me that understands what full justice looks like, mm -hmm. you know, understands how deep this evil was and is capable of giving full justice more than I can. So in a way it's releasing the need for um, revenge to someone greater than me. And trusting that's them with it. <laughs> so hard. It is hard. I and that's what I think mm -hmm. kept me from forgiving for so long because I felt like I had the ultimate revenge. And I don't know what that was because mm -hmm. my abuser, like once I finally came full circle with what had happened, he had already passed away. Right. Um, but somehow I felt like I was still getting him back by holding on to this um 
you know, this revenge that somehow I was going to play out. And then finally, it's once I came to surrender that um, and just to, like you said, let myself off the hook, it was unbelievable um, to just be able to breathe and and just Mm. let go of all of that. Mm. That's a good way to put it. And it just, it does, it it frees your breathing space to be able to just walk in your life Mm -hmm. and not allow someone else's life to hold you back. Well, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, on every single level imaginable, Mm. it opens up these brain waves. And I think in your heart as well, that you just start looking at life differently. Mm -hmm. Um, And it definitely takes time. And for me, a really good counselor and (laughs) during seasons medication and, um, and I'm in that season right now. And it's just always this journey that you continue to walk out like you always talk about. Um, But it's just allowing yourself to finally just let go of so much stuff um, that you think the longer you hold on to and the more control you have, the better off you're going to be. But in reality, it's not that way. Mm, right. So in my case, you know, like if your abuser dodges earthly justice by, mm-hmm. you know, taking their their own life or if your family doesn't validate mm-hmm. you, what happened to you? If a jury doesn't make the right decision in your case, you know, God, since the beginning of time has said that this was wrong. Yeah. And justice matters to God. And I think that it, it's to a point where we have to trust his judgment and his justice, even if we can't see it and just releasing that personal vengeance and trusting that justice will be done on mm-hmm. our behalf. Um, that is a way to release our bitterness and to be able to walk fully in who we were meant to be and not living in poison the rest of our life. Yeah. You know what? It, I think um, one of the first podcasts we had with my friend Debbie, who mm-hmm. has served as a counselor to me for a long time. And actually her her daughter is going to be on our next podcast. I'm very excited. She's going to speak with us about mental health. But Debbie had quoted, I don't know who said it, but unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Yeah. And that is that is a very good picture of, of what it felt like for me for many years before I was able to finally extend that and and do that that spiritual transaction of forgiveness to be able to walk forward, not poisoning myself anymore. Mm-hmm. Another lie that I held on to for a long time was that forgiveness equals weakness and it makes me vulnerable to getting hurt again. Mm. But in fact, forgiveness is an act of strength and it's an act of empowerment. And I think forgiveness teaches other people how I deserve to be treated. Mm-hmm. It's a way of setting a boundary by calling out harmful things that are done and saying, this was wrong. I'm not going to put up with this anymore. I forgive you for that, but I'm not going to keep walking that out. You know, unfortunately, there's going to be people in this world that are always going to take advantage of us, that no matter what we say or do, whether we forgive them or not, they're going to continue to hurt us every chance they get. So understanding that forgiveness doesn't equal trust forgiveness does not require us to ever be vulnerable to someone again Mm -hmm. it states a boundary it calls out their treatment of you as wrong and it cuts the cord that connects us to people who want to control us well and i think even knowing the true definition of it because i had it messed up in my head for so long Mm -hmm. and that's what well part of what kept me away from forgiveness for so long but then once i saw the actual definition of what you just described there it was like oh This is completely different. Not that I'm there yet, but for me to have a true sense of what forgiveness really is versus what so many people in the world try to stuff down your throat as soon as they find out there's an issue and someone who hurt you and you need to forget so I can feel better and then we can all move on and sing (laughs) Kumbaya. No, thanks. (laughs) 
No, it's not this little pansy ass like kind of uh, way of life. No, it is empowering. It it's is stating strength. It's yeah. It, I think it's setting clear boundaries on how people are to treat you, mm-hmm. and it's not vulnerability. It's mm-hmm. strength, and it is empowerment. Amen. I've had quite a few survivors come up to me after I speak and talk to me about how they are worried about walking through the process of forgiveness um, because they're afraid it means they have to have a relationship with that person yeah, who yeah. hurt them. And so I think it's important to acknowledge that forgiveness and reconciliation are two completely different things. Forgiveness never requires a relationship or even a confrontation. Forgiveness has nothing to do let me say it again. Nothing to do with the person who hurt you. It's right. all about you. They don't even need to know that you forgive them. You know, both of our perpetrators, our abusers were dead mm-hmm. when we chose to forgive. Yeah. So again, it had nothing to do with them. They didn't even know about it. But if they are still around and say you do choose mm-hmm. to let them know, that's okay too. Again, at the end of the day, your journey is up to you. You get to call whatever shots you want. Mm-hmm. And something that I've had to realize, obviously just outside of my abuse, because my abuser was already gone, yeah. is that going into the situation, you have to keep in mind, and thank you to a really good counselor I have, be careful with your expectations because once you choose mm-hmm. to maybe have that face-to-face confrontation or write a letter, the response that you get back, just be prepared for that. Um, that's something that, as I've, again, had to walk through other areas in life with forgiving. Yeah. It's you've just got to be prepared for that with your heart and your head. Yeah. Um, and and not to say that it's not possible or you shouldn't do it. It's just being mindful of how it could go a different direction than you had envisioned. That's great. Yeah. With reconciliation, it, it requires both sides. Yeah. Right. To come to come to the table in repentance and a, and a desire for a restored relationship. So for those survivors who come, come to me and say that, I say, well, that sounds like you don't want to have a relationship. So you don't have to. Don't. No one's telling you you have to. <laughs> right, well, they may be, but they're uh, wrong. No one can tell you you no, need to be in a relationship with someone who's hurt you. There's no pressure there. No. Keep telling yourself that there is no pressure there. Go with your gut, Mm -hmm. go with your heart, forget expectations swirling around you. Absolutely. Reconciliation requires something from both people. And that may mean that one side never gets there. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Okay. That's okay. But if you do choose to go walk through that situation, I mean, that I think is very important what you said to have Mm -hmm. a therapist involved expectations there thinking about every possible outcome and it's a and lot being of work prepared it is it's a lot and of work the survivors i've seen be able to do that with someone that's hurt them especially an abuser like let's yeah. say i remember a, a college student and it was her father and he went to prison and you know they had a broken relationship for a long time but eventually she got to a point where she started visiting him and wow. they began to that process and okay. it's been really hard, but you know what? She was glad she did it at that point. When I met her, she said that yeah. this has been a really good thing. And you know, he'd repented of all of it, acknowledged it, confessed yeah. it, wasn't trying to hide it, worked on himself and wanted that relationship and respected her boundaries, whatever they were, yeah. he would respect them. And so I think that is key to the possibility of a reconciliation, but well, and it's I'm few great- and far between. Yeah, and I'm grateful, too, that even if the person does, say you have all these boxes you need checked to even yeah. look at reconciling, yeah. you still don't have to. No. Say they do X, Y, or Z, but yeah. then your gut's telling you something's off, or right. maybe a couple months go down the road and, and you've um, you know started to have a relationship again, and you realize, nope, this isn't for me, it's too mm-hmm. much. 
you have the permission and the freedom to walk away at any point. Mm -hmm. And that's what's so cool about our healing journey is forever, for the rest of our lives, we call the shots always. That's great. Forgiveness is always about releasing us. It's secondly about fixing a relationship. Mm -hmm. And it may be lastly about that. It may not even be on the list. Yeah. We already kind of talked about this, but just the whole thing of skipping to the end, where I think a lot of times, especially in the church, pastors or, you know, leaders, even friends and family, they just, they think forgiveness is the first step. Mm -hmm. And it is, forgiveness is a part of a long, long process of healing. And it is definitely never the first step. I honestly think sometimes the first step of forgiveness is just realizing that the person is a complete idiot, right? Yeah. Like that you have to acknowledge that first rather than just like, well, forgive and forget. And that like, that's where your healing comes from. That's where your freedom comes from. People will pray that over you. And I think that's just a lot of BS. And again, it, it, it takes a long time to get there. Mm-hmm. A lot of steps beforehand. And those who are putting that kind of pressure on a survivor will cause a great deal of harm to a survivor and to the healing process in general. It's another, it's a spiritual abuse, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. that people are causing by telling others that they need to forgive when, I mean, trauma is, trauma is trauma. And and we cannot put pressure on a survivor to jump past important pieces of healing that have to come first. Um, And it also damages trust with leaders. Yeah. And so if you're a leader listening today, I would highly suggest that you keep your mouth shut when it comes to forgiveness. (laughs) Don't bring it up. Pray for it in your prayer closet. Don't bring it up when when you're walking through the healing process with a survivor. They'll get there when it's time for them. But until then, be that open ear. Mm -hmm. Speak truth to lies when they say lies about who they are. Remind them that their abuse wasn't their fault. They didn't deserve it. Um, Again, just forgiveness will come. You pray for that as you want to, but let God do the healing. You just keep loving them, listening and pointing, pointing them to the, to the healer. And and that is not you. Well, and even for the leaders that are surrounding you, if you're a leader or maybe you're in an organization where there are leaders where you can have an open conversation, I think even gently nudging them. Hey, this is a really good perspective that maybe we haven't really looked at. (laughs) Um, But just again, everything you just named there being that listening ear, because I think it takes educating others because you're not going to get it all. You're not going to get it all right. But it's as soon as you hear it, you can't unhear it. Mm -hmm. And it's going, okay, I need to change some steps in my life. And then also helping those around you too. And we kind of mentioned this in the beginning, but the lie that forgiveness is a one and done act of the will. And that's not true. The truth is forgiveness is a process and it often needs revisited many, many times. See, we can't force ourselves into letting go of something in just a single moment. Uh, Richard Rohr is an author I, I really enjoy reading. And he wrote, we do not think ourselves into new ways of living. We live ourselves into new ways of thinking. You know, it's experience that Mm -hmm. helps us to go through this healing process. And so we can have lots of decisions in our lives or thoughts or write letters of forgiveness like I did um, to let go of some of that pain. But it's the process of letting go again and then again and again that I think we experience that full magnitude of what forgiveness really means. We we decide to do it and then we do it and then we do it again. And, you know. It's just that parable that Jesus talked about forgiveness so many times. Mm -hmm. 
Well, and I think it's okay too that along the journey, whether it's a friend or a counselor or, um, you know, a buddy from your childhood, it's okay to invite people into that because sometimes mm. it may take you a little extra courage or a little extra oomph to choose to forgive again, to yeah. get over that hump. If you feel like it's time yeah. that you're like, okay, I, I need to do that again, or I need to walk that out again um, to kind of tap into those mm-hmm. feelings of letting go. Yes. Um, and I think it's okay to do that um, because yeah. thankfully God blesses us with so many people along our journey and mm-hmm. just different seasons of life. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think as healing goes, things get brought up. You know, you're yeah. triggered by something you never thought would trigger you. Yeah, exactly. And things get brought up again. And so it's it's about that revisiting of, of the release, the releasing of this control in your body, the the release of revenge, the, all the different things. I can still be an outspoken advocate and I can call out, you know, abuse when I see it. Mm-hmm. And I can talk about my own abuse in this way and still be angry about it. But in the meantime, it's this it's just this beautiful organic process that's unfolding of of again the release. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean I don't have my voice. Yeah. It doesn't mean I can't still be mad about it. We should be mad. So yeah, I think it's just this ongoing part of our processing. And only we know when we're harboring something inside. It's Mm -hmm. just this ugly poison, you know, that begins to infiltrate. And I think when we feel that, that's maybe when we look at it again. Mm -hmm. And the lie that when you forgive, you also forget. Uh. (laughs) Like, do people really believe that? I think they do. Uh (laughs) We're not friends with them. (laughs) No. Sorry. No, the truth is forgiving and forgetting are very different things. They Mm -hmm. don't belong in the same sentence. No. Well, I think there's some categories in life where people feel like I can apply this here. Yeah. Not here. This is right. not the place where this can be applied. <laughs> yeah. Ever. Forgive your Ever. enemies, but don't forget their names. No, exactly. <laughs> Keep that list right there. Always. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As I look back on my whole journey, you know, to this point, it's still not even halfway done, I think. I mean, who knows? We'll see. <laughs> Gosh. But, <laughs> you know, I picture myself. For a long time, still connected to my stepdad with that cord. And it was like, I saw Jesus in the distance. I wanted to be near him, but that cord kept me sort of running in place, mm-hmm. you know, getting no closer to that freedom that I knew he could bring me. So forgiveness was the scissors that cut that cord and allowed me to run free forward and, you know, happy about life again and, and excited about the possibilities ahead mm-hmm. of me because I could see farther now I can, yeah you know i was freer and I, understanding forgiveness was the key for me because it was like i was just living under all of these misconceptions that were mm-hmm. holding me back i had to explore them so hopefully this podcast will you know something resonates with someone today that would help them to feel like okay i wasn't looking at that in a way that I could have been. And maybe mm-hmm. that that would be someone's freedom. But again, there's no pressure there because we get it. You oh, know, yeah. I get when you're pre-forgiveness and not wanting to go there. I get mm-hmm. that. And I celebrate that in you. And you do you where you're at right now. But I also am on the other side where, again, that was this spiritual transaction I can't explain in any other format other than to say that, you know, God has given us something really special in forgiveness for our freedom. No one else's. 
We cannot thank you enough for joining us today. Be sure to write a review if there was something that connected with you and do not forget to invite others to listen so we can be on this healing journey together. For our next podcast, chatting about World Mental Health Day, super pumped for our guest, Julia Paxton, a former patient and advocate for the On Our Sleeves movement with Nationwide Children's Hospital, talking about her story, her work. She is a firecracker. You do not want to miss it. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast. To find out more, go to IamOneVoice.org or find us on Facebook.